All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of Home and Commercial Services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're... you're you're doing it wrong. Like you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to obviously his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at Holland hcs.com you can look up holland home and commercial services on instagram for daily tips and more or you can check out their website hollandhcs.com we have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOWS, T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I, with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Or you can always call me and I'll cook for them. It's, it really, it's a it's a great way to love people. That journey started early in his beloved granny's kitchen. She was the one that, you know, was always cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She was a Southern belle. She made everything taste good, and I didn't always, sorry, Mom, get that at home. <laughs> but uh, granny taught me how to cook, and 
I've never looked back from that. James is a Fox 6 Good Day Alabama monthly contributor. It's one of the honors of my life. I love cooking on TV. I love hearing the feedback. I love going in there and having people email me and ask questions. It's just, it's fun. And his peanut butter cobbler recipe was featured on the Food Network show Carnival Eats. That was kind of a big deal. I mean, it was... uh, I don't like I got paid for it, but it was a lot of exposure and it was really fun. Head over to ChefJamesKJones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. CrossFit Mophobia is owned and operated by Hayden Setzer. Hayden has a degree in exercise science and wellness with a minor in coaching. She is CrossFit Level 2 certified and Precision Nutrition Certified. CrossFit Mophobia is located at 222 Decatur Highway in Gardendale, Alabama. Email CrossFitMophobiaInfo at gmail.com or call or text 256-303-1873. Or you can look up everything she does on Facebook and Instagram. CrossFit Mophobia. It's time to get real. Real talk from a real married couple about real life. From fights and arguments... Raising kids, finances, dieting, get in my belly, religion. If it really happens in the real world, you'll really hear it right here. It's not the highlight reel, it's the for real reel. With your hosts who are keeping it real every day, James and Haley Jones. Well, hey guys, this is James K. Jones, and this is what is really happening this week. Yes, this is Haley Jones, and like he said, we're going to be talking about things that you will not find on our highlight reel. Yeah, but actually this week, we're not going to be talking about Oh, we're not? Oh, you're right, because you're going to hear the best of. We're doing best ofs. We did a best of season one because we've got so much fun stuff going on in August that we're working on. And we decided it'd be fun to do it with the For Real Real. Yes, because there's a lot of best of. There is. It's good stuff. So stay tuned, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Enjoy. All right, Haley, on this one, I have a little bit of a surprise for you, and you don't know what it is. Uh-oh. I actually don't know what you're going to say right now. Well, it's it's hilarious. When we had the intro made for the For Real Real, yeah. a good friend of mine, Mike Miller, and he's very talented. Mm-hmm. Remember, he did it. And when we got our first edit, or the first draft, or whatever you call it, I wish I had a recording of your face when you looked, when you listened to it. So I'm going to play it right here in real time. Oh, Ready? Oh, fun. Here we go. Raising kids. <laughs> Finances. Dieting. Get in my belly. Here it comes. Religion. This is the part. And yes, even sex. If it really happens in the real world, you'll that was really hear so it. funny. Right like here. if I could, it's not the highlight. I wish you could see my eye roll right now. My what? face actually did turn completely red. Well, it was the way you looked at me. You looked at me like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> and uh, of course, I went serious. I felt like I was pulling a Mama Lou because my mom, who is like the ultimate Southern belle, I just yeah. like I got so embarrassed. Just like she would get embarrassed, and it was just us sitting in the living room. It was funny, <laughs> yeah. but obviously, we're going to get real on this podcast. But we're not going to get that real. <laughs> not that real, no. <laughs> All right. Well, Haley. This is an official launch. <laughs> hey guys, this is James K. Jones, and welcome to the For Real Real. And this is Haley Jones, where we're going to tell you something that really happened this week. And it's not the highlight reel. <laughs> <laughs> 
and and if I could just pause for a second, I'm in the middle, guys, y'all understand if you're a man trying to do things, I'm in the middle of putting together a piece of furniture that was made in China. So it had about 4,000 pieces and 7,000 screws, and you have to just do it one step at a time. It's very scary to think about losing and aggravating and I always get a vision of these Chinese people laughing at me, like these stupid Americans, look what I'm doing to them. Um, And me being of sound mind and body wonders why he decides to take out those 784 parts in the middle of the living room. Of those of you that don't know, we have two four-year-old twin boys and a six-year-old little girl, so to unpack and start that. But you know what? I didn't say that. I just... And the reason I did was because it was time to get it done. I needed to get that done. So so I come back out and say something along the lines of, why don't I just give Lula a shower because I'm done with the boys? Or, you know, get get her started. Get Lula started on her. Wait, that sounds nice. That's not exactly what you said. I dated a girl whose parents were... Her dad was a pastor and her mom was a pastor's wife. And she told me that they had never, she had never seen her parents say a crossword to each other or get in an argument. And she had some very like weird expectations about relationships. And I was shocked by that because I, he's a friend of mine. I'd known him for years. I've been in men's group with him and I know they fight a lot, but they, I'm not saying it's good to fight in front of your kids, but I think it's healthy for like for Lula Mae and Judah and Royal to be able to see that we can get in a conflict and be at odds and interject Jesus once we cool off and figure out how to work it out and come back and say we're sorry. And so, that, I mean, because that's real life. Everybody fights. Yeah, I think that's true. But I also think that it's like we talked about before we got married and since then about fighting the right way with rules and not. And Well, that was the best, I think, marriage advice we got in our premarital counseling. Yeah, it was I agree. How to turn your fights into a, a boxing match instead of a street fight because you're all, you're going to get in fights right. and it's just when you do you learn to lose. I didn't get married till I was forty, so if I wanted to be in my house putting up a shelf, I could do it. Nobody was going to bother me. <laughs> but since I've been married, it's like. My wife's going to bother me. Now my kids are going to bother me. So, and I say bother, I don't mean that sounds bad, but that, that's how I think. Like, okay, I'm going to start this, but they're not going to let me finish. So, but I need to get that storyline out of my head and realize, you know, I got to do something different. And um, I remember when Lula was three, the boys were like, six months old and it was just like something every day around the house was breaking and it was just like and I had this narrative in my head like it's it never stops it just never stops and I felt like Jesus spoke to me and said that's what daddies do and I was like oh wow um I gotta look at this different and I'm not saying I don't still get aggravated with having to do everything but I remind myself now and it, and it stops me from getting angry Oh, this is what daddies do. Like, this is my job. This is my responsibility. And we're both wired differently. Like, we learned in our first year of marriage. I remember one time you came to me and you're like, I just feel like you're just always irritated. You're just always, always mad. And I was like, well, it's because I I am. (laughs) I mean, I am. Um, But 
when we discovered the Enneagram, I learned that I'm an Enneagram one. And the negative side of that is if everything's not going the way and you're not looking at things the way you're supposed to, then you turn into a perfectionist, which will drive you crazy. But if you're, if you learn how to, how you're wired and how to channel that energy in the right way, the positive side of that on the Enneagram one is that I'm a reformer. Like I can make, I make things better. And, um, so in anything, I'm always going to be irritated about something, but it can either drive me to further ir- irritation or it can help me learn how to make things better. And I think in marriage um, is learning like how to make things better and not getting not being a perfectionist because nothing's ever going to be perfect. Anything. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's. Yes, it's about making things better because you want to enjoy the marriage you're in. I mean, you can not do that and then just be miserable. Yeah. Which I think a lot of people are. Yeah. But I want to <laughs> maybe do everything I can to enjoy. Well, so <laughs> the best I can. My go-to is to be irritated and your your go-to is to be insecure because you're Enneagram 3. three. And so I'm a performer and so when I feel like I am not performing I don't know if performing is the best word you could use, probably another word, but like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and being the best at what well, I'm doing. Well, actually on the Enneagram 3, perform, the performer was more of a negative, like minus perfectionist Yeah, performer. that's true. But your positive for Enneagram 3 is you're an achiever. Yeah. Like you you, you yield results. Yes. And when, you're, when we're doing what we need to do, rocking and rolling, you're yielding results, I'm performing, and Tim Jones is great. Yeah. <laughs> calling this diets smash or pass okay so what does smash or pass mean because well, they both sounds the same to me no it's, a, it's a, well you don't follow like foodies on social media like I, no i don't I do. smash <laughs> or pass means like you would cook a, a burger or some some kind of food and you'd post a picture and you say smash or pass smash means i'm gonna smash it eat it all oh you're gonna eat it all okay yeah pass means no, i'll pass i don't okay. i don't need that they have that game where you can stand on a scale, and if the person that's running it can guess your weight within, what, five or ten pounds, I don't know what it was, then if they guess it, you don't get anything. If they're wrong, then you get a prize. And I loved that because <laughs> I always weigh more than I look I, because I just, really? yeah, I mean, I'm just dense. I have a lot of muscle. Um, I mean, covered by some fat now, but anyway, back then I just always weigh more than I look like I weigh. And so I would always win the prize. So that was a positive for my build. (laughs) Well, I love your build. Just so you know. Thank you. And and if you was like a bony, skinny girl, I probably never would have married you. Just because I'm not a bony, skinny boy. So, I mean, we wouldn't have, uh... but the struggle with like weight has always been a real struggle for me. You know, I was... As far as I know, I was never had any problems with it till my mom went through her divorce when I was ten, and then I became a latchkey kid, and I had to start cooking for myself. And you know, I was going to have Doritos and pizza every night, and um, I just blew up that year. And then it, my weight's been a struggle for me ever since then. I've always been a little on the the chubby side. Yeah. Um, and I've tried every diet. I've done, you know, done all that stuff. And it's really only recently been in the last three or four years that I got came to a place of peace with that. I just, you know, through some, and we can talk about some of the stuff that we've learned. But what I've noticed about men and women, you have helped me probably more than 
I know more than anybody else in the world is that you accept me as I am and you love me and you know if once you married me your type was a man with a little <laughs> little poochy stomach and uh, some some little love handles on his back <laughs> and you like it you know what I mean but and it's the same for me like when going through different stages of life like when you're pregnant and you're so I'm so fat and I'm like you're so beautiful like that's the most beautiful I've ever because you were carrying life and it wasn't just life that you were carrying you're carrying my child well you can either what did you say I gave you a Nick Saban for the, our Alabama <laughs> fans out there yeah. and the Alabama haters um, he's just a smart man His, I've learned more about leadership by watching him coach than I've ever learned from any book mm-hmm. but he he, to, he tells his players there are two types of pain in life. There's the pain of regret or there's the pain of discipline. So you choose your pain. If you choose the pain of discipline, then you're going to love it in the long run. If you if you choose the pain of regret, then you're just going to wallow in self-pity and never get where you need to get. We'll be right back. Head over to our YouTube channel for recipes, podcasts, and now we're even live streaming stuff to give you guys real glimpses into our daily lives. Yikes. You'll also be able to see the podcast behind the scenes and unedited live streams. We've added the first five seasons of the Straight Out of Prison podcast, and even if you've listened to all of them, check out the video format to see pictures, behind the scenes, and a whole lot more. And while you're there, please hit the subscribe button. It won't cost you anything, but it does help us reach our goals to reach a larger audience. Look up Chef James K. Jones on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a recipe or a podcast. For exclusive content, download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions, but all levels have one feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms and they're completely free from ads. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. Yeah, so as far as like my physical body and all that, I do feel like I was living in a land of the pain of regret. Yeah. And if you're going to feel pain, then... I mean, it's something about that click. Like, okay, let's, let's have the pain of discipline, which is a pain. It is. It's a pain. It's not easy. Um. And I had a friend of mine who's actually a customer at Cairo set me up with their stepdaughter. And I was going on a blind date. It wasn't totally blind because I like, saw pictures. And I mean, the girl, she was cute. Um, we went to P.F. Chang's, which is my favorite, you know, place to eat. Um, when we sat down, I ordered lettuce wraps. And she was like, wait. Does it have meat in it? <laughs> so I was like, why? And she said, oh, I'm a vegetarian. So I was like... Okay. Lots of people are vegetarians. There's nothing wrong with being a vegetarian, yeah. but I'm a chef, like, and she knew that. So I was like, why even, why even bother with me? You know I'm not you know, going to be doing all that. So I had the tofu lettuce wraps, which were actually not bad. And then we got through dinner, and then, like, she started talking about her cats, and I was like, oh, this is going from bad to worse, and, you know, because I'm not a cat person. I I hate cats. And then um, I said, well, do you want dessert? And she said, oh, no, my... Did you say it like that? 
Probably. Because she could probably tell that you weren't digging the whole situation. I was, I was like annoyed. That. But I was trying to be nice. And it, was, it wasn't just a blind date. She was the daughter of someone who was my customer. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I couldn't just, like, crush her. I mean, not that I would want it not to. Not that you would want to. But anyway. I wanted out of that situation. If I could have just yeah. left, I would have just left. But uh, So I said, do you want dessert? And she was like, oh, no, my New Year's resolution was to swear off sugar entirely. So I was like... <laughs> How do you live? Like, why, I'm, I don't understand. Like, how do you even live? I don't. I don't get it. Okay. But I think the. I think bottom line though, um, we get ourselves in a mess and we do ourselves a disservice, and we don't honor ourselves when we start comparing ourselves to other people, especially people on the highlight reel <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, and true. I can do that because you know I started going to the gym right after that, and I started studying like workouts and stuff like that. And I can easily get intimidated by seeing somebody with all the abs and all the things. But then if you just do a little backstory, you see that all they do is go to the gym. Mm-hmm. All they do is work out. I mean, I don't want, I don't want that. I, I mean, you got to have life to live. So mm-hmm. I don't want that either. But well, it's about balance and rhythm in all areas. Yeah. We have a daughter who's six and twin boys that are four. And we usually have them in bed by 8 o'clock, 7.30, yeah. 8 o'clock every night. That's the bedtime. And so now Lula has softball practice four nights a week from 6 to 7.30. And the boys have started soccer practice that starts at 6.30, ends at 7.30. So it becomes this new it just, routine, it upsets, it upsets our routine. Everything's right. everywhere. It's just... It's a lot. So we're having to, as you would say, reposition ourselves. Reposition yourself. So why why do we want them in sports? Why? Well, I was always involved in sports, and I think it's a really good... I just think you learn a lot about competition, about teamwork. losing, about winning, about teamwork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just how to listen to instructions and have another you know form authority, of authority. Yeah, yeah i just I like to it. me it's i think it's even if you're not like a oh i'm crazy about sports or some kind of like have super talent yeah. i think the experience is good at some point yeah so we just want we want them to have something well now i sat her down because i didn't want her to play softball i thought she'd be better suited for soccer just because she don't like people like throwing stuff at her <laughs> And I told her, I said, I think you, I will let you choose, but once you choose, you have to finish the season. And I think that you would do better at soccer. And she said, well, Daddy, why don't you want me to play softball? And I said, it's not what I want. I'm just saying, I see how you're made. And I sat with her for, what, three hours? We went over a full game of softball, how it's played. You know, I probably played it up a little. You know, they're going to be throwing balls at you. I, I was just letting you do that because I felt like your intensity for But you also did. You wanted her to play soccer, not softball. No, I, no, no. I just thought, I don't care. <laughs> That's true. I wanted to play what she wants to play. I just felt like she was more suited for soccer. That would be something that she enjoyed. And then at the end of that, we watched YouTube videos. We explained the game. <laughs> she said, well, Dad, it's softball. So I was like, okay. And, you know, her first practice, watching her out there catch the ball and throw it, like, she was right. She's, she's got a knack for it. If, if Royal decides to be a football player, and, of course, he'll play for the University of Alabama, the great exciting <laughs> <I'm just> <laughs> um, then I'm going to be into football. If Judah decides to be into uh, 
theater and he wants to be in plays, whatever he does, then I'm going to be in that too. And whatever Lou decides to be into, that's what I'm going to be into. You know, I hope they all want to cook and do the things I like to do. <laughs> but if they don't, that's okay. I mean, we'll fit, we'll we'll navigate through that. And I think that's part of like um, like nurturing them and, and helping them find themselves, and, right? You know, the, what, how Jesus made them, not how how I want them to be, right? All right, so we went back and forth whether to talk about this or not, but because we have talked about it so much and it's come up, we thought it was worth putting it out there. Yeah, so we're titling this episode Church Porn. Yes, which we got. (laughs) She was like, oh, you're over there with your red shirts doing good deeds and taking pictures and putting on Instagram. That's church porn. (laughs) Okay. But it's like you get so caught up in trying to impress like like for me I was doing an internship with my campus because I went to Highlands College so I was so caught up in trying to impress the guy that used to be our campus pastor that I, I lost the sight of what we were actually doing like and I was taking myself too serious like I, I needed to be seen as this this wonderful leader that's leading all these <laughs> you know this this thing and we did have a great day don't get me wrong and there was a guy that um, a friend of mine, we took him a, ha- a hamburger because he d- he looked like he didn't want to come out and he was real skinny. And we went over and talked to him and asked if we could. He was real skinny. He looked like he needed a hot dog. No. Is that what I said? <laughs> no, that's what it sounded like. Okay, my bad. Let me, let me fix that. He was real skinny, like emaciated skinny. Okay. And we took, he act like he was embarrassed to come out to where we were cooking. So we took him a hamburger or a hot dog. I think we took him both. But then when Jeremy asked him, is there anything we can pray for you about? And he said he was a heroin addict and he was in a desperate place. And we prayed with him. And, you know, I told him I had connections with the foundry and I could help him. Anyways, long story short, three months later, got a call from him. I gave him one of my cards, got a call from him. He's ready to do something different with his life. Came to the foundry, turned his life around and, you know, got it, basically got his life back. That's awesome. I don't think you've ever told me that. I have. You just don't remember. And that's probably true, too. <laughs> but that was because we were there doing a serve day. Yeah. But, but the thing is, like, why do we have to take those things? No, no. no. We need to take the, what we're doing serious, but we don't need to take ourselves so serious because it just it, it aggravates the snot out of them. Yeah. And this is Haley Jones, and just like my partner in crime said, no pun intended, that these are things we're going to be talking about that, well, we're going to be talking about things that are not on our highlight reel. That we wouldn't put on our highlight reel. That we would not put on our highlight reel. And most people wouldn't either. Uh, Yes, and this particular subject today is because I don't want to see the 127 comments arguing with me. (laughs) But wait, also you said partner in crime. Girl, we ain't doing crime. (laughs) I've been there, done that. I'm making a play on our Straight Outta Prison podcast. I know, I'm just being silly. Something that everyone recognizes, I think, as a term, and that is the cancel culture. Hot button issue. Okay, so you, why don't you, in your own words or how you perceive it, define what cancel culture is? I feel like it is, it is getting, it's getting out of control right now in our world. Um, It's not hard for me to understand cancel culture because I feel like I define that. Like I'm, I find it not hard to cancel people or places or things if something happens that I that I feel like I don't agree with or it hurts me in some kind of way, and it, it, it 
I'll just give you an example. Uh, my the guy that was my he was my counselor when I was in prison. He was my mentor my first year out of prison. Then he became my pastor. And then I got in a relationship with his daughter, and I actually almost married her. But somewhere during the middle of the first year that we were dating, they saw some unhealthy things happening between us, which was right, but I couldn't see it at the time because I was, you know, I was in love. And basically told both of us we needed to get away from each other, and I canceled him. So I was like... So what does it mean when you canceled him? What do you do? He was dead to me. Like, I was like, you know what? You can say you love me and all these things, you know, because of my background. Because I took it as an affront of, you know, you say you love me, you want me to be in your church, you want me to be be in business with me, but then you don't want me to be in your family. So I did. I cut him off, and it was for like two or three months before we, we got some clarity on it, and... He just was like in tears, like just saying, he said, you scare me. This scares me. Like you totally cut me off after all that we've been through. Because by that time, he was like a father to me. I had, we had like 10 years under our belt. Mm -hmm. And, but I was like, you came at me. So, I mean, that's one of my defense mechanisms. And it, it is a scary thing to be able to just totally cancel, like totally cut somebody off just because they did something maybe that you don't agree with. Or they believe something you don't believe, and it's not good. It is not good. Right. I mean, I think, I mean, there's always been, I mean, a cancel culture of sorts just because we're humans and there's always different opinions and different stances on things and all of that. But it does seem like in the last year plus and some change that it has become very, I don't know if the word is popular or... Um, it happens a lot more and a lot easier. I, I think popular is good because it's the next thing to do now. But just to be clear, how we're defining cancel culture is if someone doesn't agree with you or is not doing the things that you believe should be done yeah. or think maybe the way you're thinking and act on those, then mm-hmm. you then cancel. you cancel them. Then you they're out of your life. Either you fire them or you. I mean, what's another word? Just cancel. I guess that's yeah, why it's cancel. Yeah. Um, her buddies, her hug buddies and lunch partners will be a lot smaller, like the amount of people she'll be able to do that with because she's canceling them. Yeah. Because they're not doing things the way she thinks it should, should be, be done. Absolutely. And that is what is bothering me because it's just like, I'm right. You're wrong. I'm not going to be your friend anymore. I don't, I'm not going to go to lunch with you anymore. I'm not going to hug you anymore you just, because you have a lack of respect. You just define cancel culture. For people. That's what it is. Yes. But that, that is your viewpoint. But my thing is, is that haven't people had different stances on things for all of eternity? Yes. And haven't, <laughs> like, haven't just, like... She's saying a lack of respect and consideration to those that are hurt and dying. Haven't people been hurting and dying for different reasons that I believe some people have been very, had a lot of lack and consideration for on my beliefs yeah. opposed to someone else's belief that's Absolutely. causing the same thing. But I think what just bothers me so much that I'm just like, what happened to us staying in relationship with people that think differently than we do, especially in this case. Let's say, why why doesn't she have a desire 
to stay in relationship to try to influence them towards so what she believes. Yeah. So if she believes that's right and it's a lack, lack of consideration to me, it makes sense to stay in relationship with that person to maybe win them to her side if, if you want to see it that yeah. way. Not that, but I'm just saying I feel like we're so quick to cancel and it causes division where opposed to standing firm on what you believe and also continuing to accept people that don't believe that you do. And maybe you would win more people on your side Mm -hmm. if you're calling it sides, because I feel like she's making a clear division of people here, um, depending on what they believe about masks. That's our culture right now. Yeah. We're drawing hard lines. And uh, let's let's stay on that for a minute, because that's where the problem is. When, When you pick a side, like if you idolize one side you automatically demonize the other side. You ha- it just happens. So, like, if I idolize mask wearing, then I automatically demonize non-maskers. Or if I idolize, I'm not wearing no mask, then I automatically demonize people that do. And anytime you you choose that hard side, then it's just it's not healthy. It's not good. And honestly, like, if you if you call yourself like a Jesus follower. And I know that everybody's listening to this is not. You can't do that. Like you don't you can't exclude people. You can't take you can't shut people out just because they don't agree with what you're doing. Um, I did not feel that pressure to get married and have kids. I actually like that because if I had got married when I was 18, 19, 20, like they tell you to, mm-hmm. well, I, I, yeah. would, I would have messed up kids. Like I would have messed them up so bad. Oh, for sure. I mean, I would have too. <laughs> I mean, for different reasons, I think. But yeah. um, but yes, it has been one of my, I mean, to sound very cliche, one of my greatest joys. It is just so fun to be able to see the world through fresh eyes when everything's new and they're learning every single thing. Our daughter's very inquisitive and curious and um, it is they change you. Yes. So I just I do love that. It it has been one of my favorite things in the world. So I'm very thankful. Tell me why we're talking about this because now I feel sad. No, I just I was I was fascinated with the fact that they identified the best they could the guy that committed suicide is because he didn't the family that he grew up in was not very nurturing remember you came to me when they were like three years old and you said i've just been watching them like world goes and gets everything set up everything perfect just like he wants it everything organized and then judah just runs through and just knocks everything down (laughs) so i said babe you just described our whole marriage i'm just not that bad (laughs) (laughs) you just said it all god well, so I think far. I think before when you first got pregnant, I mean, I wanted kids, you know. Yeah, I was ready for kids, but we well, uh, were forty, so yeah, yeah, I was. <laughs> no, but ready. I mean, but I was like, I was. Um, I have in a journal where I wrote down that my son's name is going to be Judah James. I had a, you know, because Jesus came through the tribe of Judah, and I was like, your firstborn son. This is an Old Testament thing. You're supposed to dedicate your firstborn son, and stuff. So his name is going to be Judah, and I knew that from when I was in prison. And um, when you got pregnant with Lula, I w- it was Judah. I was sure it was Judah. Like we didn't even have to negotiate names. Like already, it's Judah James Jones. That's his name. And when we went to uh, the um, the when they identified ultrasound, yeah, and she said it's a girl, and I said, could you? Uh, and I was crushed, and I was like, could you check? that again 
And she was like, you could tell she was a little aggravated with me. She was like, okay. She did again, and she said, it's a girl. And so I was just like crushed, and we went back to the where the doctor was, and then you started crying. I was like, oh, wait, I can't do this. Well, I think it's your disappointment. Yeah, you were just like, you were upset, and I was like, hold up, hold up. This is our baby. It's okay if it's a girl. I was not expecting a girl. Honestly, I've never even wanted to have a girl. I'd be fine with 100 boys. Um, but... You know, just relax. So then the doctor came in. You remember this? Yeah. Dr. Stone. Oh, yeah. And he came in. I said, hey, has your girl been doing like the looking at the sex things for long? And he was like, yeah, 18 years. And I said, has she ever made a mistake? And he said, "Uh, not in 18 years. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, but it's possible she could have made a mistake. And he said, James, come here. And he pulled up the iPad picture, and he, like, blew it up around her nether regions. And he said, this is your daughter's labia. And hopefully this is the last picture that will ever be snapped of it. But you're having a girl. And I was so, like, just, like, torn because I wanted a boy so bad. And I just felt like, you know, every man, you know, I, I talked to both my brother-in-laws. They had girls first. You know, Hobie had a girl, then he had Luke, and then... Sean had two girls before he had a son. And I was like, did y'all like wish? And they were like, every man wishes for a son first. Don't feel bad. But you're going to love your your baby. And then when Lula Mae was born, Lord have mercy. You know, when she opened her, I was the first one she looked at. But I think she caught my voice when they were cleaning her up. And it was because I would talk to her through your stomach and read to her. Mm -hmm. Remember we did all that? And she just looked over and she opened her eyes and was like, oh, there you are. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't, I don't ever need a boy. <laughs> you know, that totally, that changed everything about me. And then, you know, fast forward two and a half years later when the boys came, I believe that Jesus gave me a girl because it softened me. I think if, the, if, if Judah would have been born first, I would have been hard on him, like harsh, like a, like a taskmaster. But because of Lula, I had to learn how to do it with a girl because, you know, even as a, you know, six months old, if we were watching the Alabama game and you said, wait, she would start crying. So it's like, she like tenderized me. But my mom used to try to do that with me, like raise me just like somebody else raised. Some, like, That's not what I'm saying. Trying to make me That's somebody. not what I'm doing. So you got to be careful with that. Um, I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying we're doing a podcast, so we're talking <laughs> about real things. <laughs> and usually I get to say what irritates me, so... On this for real, real. That's the type of stuff that irritates me. But yeah. <laughs> well, that's not what I'm saying. So, and as she's rolling her eyes at me, no, I'm not saying that's what you're saying. I'm saying we need to pay attention to that. I got trapped this week. Uh, <laughs> I get. I don't know if it's because I've been in prison. This I think was some, hilarious. I think sometimes you say it's because you've been in prison, but I think I've always been a little bit like this. I don't like being trapped anywhere. So we had a, a, a Team Jones event where we did an omelet bar for a church, um, and they for some reason they were having a meeting in a car dealership Mm -hmm. since they don't have an office okay in bessemer yeah um so we get there and got set up a full live omelet bar i got all this equipment all stuff and the guy comes out and tells me yeah you're on the you're upstairs but there's no elevator so first i got to drag all my stuff up two flights of stairs and they did help and it was but it still was annoying like i would have said no to this or it would have been extra um then we get in there they put us in the back of a room and we set up the omelet bar 
rocking and rolling. The guy comes and says, hey, um, we're going to eat breakfast. We're going to take about 10 minutes to do a check-in. Then we're going to leave, and then we got something else to do, and then we'll come back. So I have my plan. I do the aunt bar. They do their little check-in thing. They leave. We leave. But something happened where it was this guy. He was the pastor. It was his birthday. So his wife had planned like this extra thing where they went around and told it was his whole staff was there. They went around and told like something about him that they appreciated and loved mm-hmm. or whatever. And it turned that part didn't really bother me because I was I feel like I was learning something from him. Like he he's a good leader the way he like pours into his people. Right. Um, but then that went from that to he got up and wanted to do a prayer, and then they did this. They started praying, and they just kept praying and praying, and praying, and praying, and praying, and praying. And then somebody else had to pray, and pray. And it's like I'm feeling trapped. I mean, I'm by this time I'm 45 minutes over. I'm supposed to be there, but in order to get out, I would have to go through them. So I'm trapped, and I'm like looking at you, like. <laughs> Help, Jesus, we need you. Um, but then they started uh, singing the songs. Then they started singing songs. Then he told his worship guy, hey, grab your guitar. And I was like, I'm never, I'm never getting out of here. I'm never. I'm, I'm stuck in here for life. Then um, they sang, oh, two or three long songs. I was like, okay, God knows that he's good. Like, he already knows. Like, let's, what can, can we go? Can we go? And then, um, then they started uh, doing uh, another prayer session, and he told them to start praying in their heaven language. <laughs> so I was like, oh, "Take me now!" <laughs> but uh, finally, we got out of there. But I can't that stand. Was I can't stand being trapped. I can't stand the. It, it's a feeling. It just. I just. It's not my. It's not good. So I mean, you being Don't trap me. physically trapped. Yeah, which goes into my, I guess, what I was hey, going to say. Yes, <laughs> is that I? I mean, I'm the same way. I don't. I mean, I feel like like that. Like I actually found humor in that, and that was hilarious because I could see you like unraveling. Oh. <laughs> it was so funny. But then you feel guilty because, like, well, I love Jesus too, <laughs> you know. But I do. But I, I mean, but right now, I got, I still got other. I got another job. I got to prepare. I got to go. I got to get out of here. I can't be here. But I don't like being trapped and this sounds so bad but it's just like so if I meet somebody or have a friend that I feel like is I don't know wanting more out of me than I feel like I can give <laughs> you are like or that. wanting more time from me than I feel like I have or I feel starting to feel like there's this pressure to like be available or be like I will like shut down and stop I've, I've saw you do that responding to text like I mean met this gal and she was super sweet at this event that we were went to and were part of and she was just like I just feel like we connected right away I mean and I I didn't feel that way that's <laughs> fine like but she was super sweet she's like we need to be friends on Facebook I'm like yeah absolutely that's fine you know great and so then she starts messaging me like so good to meet you connected we have to do coffee like this week and I'm like oh but that was only 10 minutes down the road too right like we'd only and I was just like need to back up from this because I just do not like feeling and I don't know I mean I I don't know why I think I've always been like that maybe that's why I didn't want kids because I was gonna be like obligated and it's a great obligation but I just do not like feeling like I can't get out of something or like I should like I'm 
So you're trapped. Yeah, I am trapped. Or feeling like, and I definitely avoid being trapped. Like, I don't want to feel like somebody needs something from me. I have to be available, be there, texting back all the time. Like, I'm not one of these, like, that has conversational text. Like, there's not one person in my life ever that I text, like, conversationally during the day. Yeah. That's a very broad... Well, I think the English language is hard. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because there's only one word for love. I mean, love is love. Like love you just love. said, you love hot dogs, you love your kids, you love your wife, you mm. love... I love puppies. But obviously, that means a little something different mm-hmm. for each of those things. So, um, I don't know. What is love to you, then, if you were to put it? Well, I think in order to... To like truly like understanding because everybody, I mean, when I was growing up, people were always, you know, my mom was married and divorced four times. <laughs> so she and was. And I'm a, sure she loved each of those husbands. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> um, but no, it was always, I'm in love, I'm in love. You know, recently when we started taping the podcast on the Straight Out of Prison, I was talking about her number three husband. And she, somebody told her because she won't, she refuses to listen to the podcast. And she said, I just want you to know with him, I was not in love. I was in heat. <laughs> so I was oh like, gosh. okay, thanks for oh. sharing. Mimi. <laughs> Norma grand, Jean. Grandmother. But uh, for me, like growing up, I didn't see good uh, examples of that because everybody got divorced. And then they would, you know, the way I think I'm a one on the Enneagram. So I think if you say I'm going to love you forever till I die, when you do your little vows, um, then what what happened? <laughs> it didn't it didn't it didn't make any sense to me. That stuff like Well, I can tell you what happened. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's so funny because I, you know, since we've been married and I mean speaking of the love love and marriage. What is love? I'm telling you that um it's the hardest thing in the planet. Yeah. Marriage. And like my mom said, one of Gosh, don't make our, it that hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, in her it prayer has at our reception, my mom was like praying, and she said, "And one of the greatest miracles is um, is when God takes two people mm-hmm. and makes them one." And when you think about that, two worlds, two backgrounds, two, two people, two sets of personalities, two sets of all the things that you're coming together and trying to live in harmony and raise kids mm-hmm. on the same page, and I mean, so many other things. I feel like I'm. Scraping the surface, um, it's just not an easy thing to do. Much it's, less do well it, and love well. It, it's not. But in the, in the New Testament, Paul says it is a picture of how we become one with Jesus. It is the the mystery of a man and woman two becoming one is the same as like the mystery of how we become one with Jesus. So it's a process. Well, no wonder that's hard too. <laughs> oh, it is. It's a process, and it hurts, and it has pain. But it, I believe marriage is one of the greatest tools that God uses to change people. And I know in my case, like, <laughs> I, I tell people this all the time, especially when I was working at the foundry. You know, if you, th- you say you're not selfish, get married. You'll find out. <laughs> and then if you get married and you figure out how to be a little less selfish, have kids. <laughs> then, you, then, you will, then you will know. That's not the, it's not always a feeling. It's well, not always going to be a feeling. There are feelings and affections, but feelings are not going to take you. Feelings ain't going to last over the long haul because feelings change. Like, I feel, you know, so in love with you some days, and then some days I'm like, ugh, why did you give me this woman? <laughs> I think it's important um, to, uh, 
Let's just go back. Let's go back to like the original definition of love. And that comes from the scriptures. You know, that's our only like anchor for absolute truth. And one of the things I love about the Greek language, I mean, besides the fact that my biological father was Greek, so I have some connection to to the Greeks. I'm just kidding. Um, Is they have a much more like a poetic, uh, detailed language. So when we say in English, we say love. I love my dog. I love uh, hot dogs or cheeseburgers, and I love my wife. It doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really go together. But in the uh, Greek language, they had it was actually five or six, but for the sake of time and just for the three main ones are, are connected to the other ones. So there were three in the Greek language: the word eros, mm-hmm. which is where we get our English word for erotic, and that's more of like a sexual type of love. And then there's the word phileo, which is like a brotherly affection type of love. That's where we get the name for uh, a city in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. They mm. call it the city of brotherly love because it's the phileo. And then there's agape, and that is the God kind of love. That's the way that God loves us with agape. And eros, phileo, all the other ones, they can come to an end because they're based on feelings. But agape is unselfish love. It has no strings. It doesn't have to have anything in return. So it's the only kind of love that lasts forever. So when it says that God so loved the world that he sent his only son, it's the agape love. Like he loves completely without strings, doesn't have to have anything in return. And that is the kind of love I believe that you have to seek for in marriage because it's the only one that's going to someone that's going to see you through. Wow, you've had all that in your head? All that information, you're so smart. <laughs> Babe, I've been studying this for years. No, it's fascinating yeah. to me. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a story in the Old Testament of a, you know, the King David. He had a bunch of kids because he had a bunch of wives. But he had a daughter named Tamar. And his son, I believe it was Absalom, that was supposed to be the next king. Like he was like the crown prince. Fell in love with his sister, Tamar. Maybe one, no, it was Amnon. Uh, anyways, I, I forget the name. But the brother fell in love with his sister. Yeah, it was actually his half-sister, so she had a different mama. And he just wanted her. He had to have her. But it was a sexual love. And his friend said, Why don't Was you... that allowed back then? No. Okay. To, to have your sister? No. Well, yeah, I don't know. Uh-uh. Weird it was evil. Um, but his, his friend told him, like, you're the prince. You can have whatever you want. Go, just go get some of that and be done with it. Go get some of that. Well, I mean, he didn't say it just like... But that was his advice. <laughs> just go ahead and do it. I'm tired of hearing about you talk about this Tamar girl. So he went and acted like he was sick, had her brought in and said, I need you to take care of me, my sister. And then he raped her. And she told him, please, you're going to ruin my life. Don't rape me. And as soon as he got done doing his business, he hated her. He said he hated her. He sent her out, I hate you. And it's that because that wasn't real love, it was the eros, the nasty. And, you know, she went off and lived her life destitute. And then her, her full brother, I think his name, I think he was Absalom. Anyways, I forget the names. There's a lot of A's in the Old Testament. <laughs> he actually killed the guy that raped his sister, and then it was like split the family. It was just bad. It ended up bad. But it was the Eros love that he was so in love with her, but once he got what he wanted, he was done with her. You're dead to me. And that is how if you have a love for somebody that's based just on sex, then that's, that's what, you know, you feel guilty, you, you know, all the things. But then the phileo love is like a brotherly love where you feel affection. But that can come to an end as well because, you know, 
how many friends that we have that we're not friends with anymore because they hurt our feelings or did something. You know, yeah. it can come to an end. But agape love is the, is the kind of love that's unselfish. It's the God kind of love. It is unconditional. It has no strings attached, and it gives without expecting anything in return. And that's easy to, to like, spout off that definition. It's very hard to do that in a marriage or in a friendship or in any Yeah, marriage. any relationship. But I feel like over the years, anytime we're in conflict, I feel like Jesus always brings me back to that. If you would just love her and quit trying to get your way, then it'll work out. And it always does. Oh, well, it's true. It's true. Thank for, you. That's not just true for me. That's true for you too. Yeah, no, it's. I it mean, true. we've had those kind of conflicts before. Yeah, but uh, I do want to talk about uh, something that we don't talk about much, but we learned about it in one of our first marriage small groups. Oh, this is so. This, this is, is so interesting. This people. has helped me so much. I mean, and I see it now. I see it everywhere, and it helps helps me help people. But there's a chemical in our brains that is released when we fall in love with someone. It's called limerence. And when I, well, the guy Wait, from, is the chemical called limerence? Yes, it's oh. a chemical like dopamine or okay. It's a, it's a chemical that's released into our bodies, but it's fascinating because it was designed by God to connect us and bring us together in relationship. So, you know, there she is. She's going to be my wife. I got limerence first. Got limerence for me. And you're like, I think they call that like, you know, you're head over heels in love. You do anything. You're crazy in love. Crazy person. I think Beyonce wrote a song about that. Yeah, but it doesn't last. That's the, <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. It's designed to last for like uh, six months to three years. And in the studies they've done, you can only have limerence for another human once. And it's never lasted longer than three years. Like, yeah. There's and some the kind of, there's science that Yeah, it wears out. That. But it, but also, if you look at it from a big picture, like from, a, a, you know, the creator of the universe, like you have to have something to bring us together. And... But it can't sustain us because it's not going to always be like that. And right. besides, if you if we had limerence for our whole marriage, we'd never go to work. We'd just be walking around looking at each other, gazing in each other's eyeballs and doing all the crazy stuff. And doing, <laughs> quote unquote, all the crazy stuff. Well, I think we've all been there, done that. You know, you fall in love with somebody and it's a big deal and you will do anything, you know, whatever. Well, I think of, I don't, do you remember when Tom Cruise, Oprah was doing a, interview with him and he had just oh, gotten together with what was her example. name Dawson's Creek girl she was young though. what's she her was, name I don't remember her name but she was young young girl like half his age uh, y'all know who I'm talking about dark hair well, I'll the, na- the name doesn't it. matter. Anyway, he jumped on the couch and was like... Jumping up and down like a crazy person. I mean, literally acting like a crazy person, like proclaiming how much he loved her. And he was so... I and mean, she was laughing at him like, wow, what's... You know... It was awkward and uncomfortable. But that was an, that is an example... That was limerence. ...of limerence. He had that chemical flowing hard. <laughs> so then how long did they stay married? <laughs> I don't know, actually. Not long. Not long. They're, yeah. they're divorced. They had a little bitter. baby, though. They're bitter and divorced now. It's over mm-hmm. with, and all things are done. It's been over a long time. Um, well, if, if limerence is as the way that it was designed by God is a good thing, what happens when it becomes not a good thing? Because it can be a bad thing, the limerence thing. Because some people are like limerence addicts, you know. Like yeah. people, I'm just in love with being in love. But I think that's true for anyone who chases highs or emotions. Yeah. And sometimes I think chasing that falls into the category of relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and once that feeling feeling wears off, mm-hmm. 
you just get bored or you just think I must not be in love anymore. Yeah, I'm not in love anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we feel we feel out of love. I've heard feel, that. Yeah. I've heard that said. Um, but yeah, I mean I've you know, I know several people that have chased and I mean I don't judge because I can relate on some level because I I mean I kind of chase after like you know, you, I love experiences and like mm-hmm. exciting stuff. I mean, I try to make every day like it's going to be a great day. Like, <laughs> um, so I mean, I do have an att- a tendency to like chase after the like highs mm-hmm. of things, you know, so I really can relate to that. But when it comes to relationships, I think just knowing like it's not always going to, you're not always going to have that feeling, but that doesn't mean that you're not you know, committed. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I've never got... I know. I'm like, what is he about to say? <laughs> well, I've never got a tax return. Like, because I've always been single and I always make too much money. Like, I never get where they say, oh, here's you some money. Like, I've never... That's <laughs> never been my case. But somehow, because I was married and then I had a baby, I got $5,000... We got $5,000 from a federal tax return that I thought... I actually took it to Hobie, my brother-in-law. I was like, "Is this right? Can this be right?" And he was like, <laughs> "He was like, James, it's a it's a child credit. Like you 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 didn't make that much money, then you got the child and all this stuff." So I remember being just so worn out and so tired and just <laughs> coming in grumpy with you. Just uh, and I went and got sat down at my computer to check my emails or my bank account. I can't remember. And I realized that my five thousand dollars had got put in our account, and we were we were we were struggling financially. Then we were, yeah, I, mean, I remember we were on such a tight budget, like we didn't even have an extra twenty. Our bank bucks. account was tired. Ooh, it was, <laughs> but uh, when I saw that that five thousand dollars was in there, I like jumped up and was like, "Babe, the money, that tax return came. Let's go to Mexican. Let's go. Let's go to Cracker Barrel. Let's go out. Let's go you have fun." Immediately, energized. no, I just flipped because it's what you tell yourself. But that talk me such a lesson that I've I've like I guess that's been five or six years ago now I repeat that to myself what was the lesson it's in my mind yeah, yeah I'm tired and wore out it's because of what I'm saying to myself and I'm bringing my I'm my I'm my own worst enemy I'm bringing myself down right but then you know you inject <laughs> you inject five thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> my mind saying something. My mind saying, "Let's go to Walmart." <laughs> oh my god! We can. I'm saying, "Let's go to Anthropology." <laughs> no, I probably would never say that. But no, we can, I would say that. We could even spring for Target. Um, <laughs> but that, I mean, that's a huge lesson, and I actually had to remind myself of that yesterday. We we are blessed to be able to have all the stuff we have going on. I had a, that's good. I had a lady that worked for me. Her name was Wanda, mm-hmm. and. She could stir up some mess. <laughs> and she only worked for me for about a year. Ended up, you know, we ain't going to be doing all that here. Like when I started Kairos, like mm-hmm. we're going to do it. We're, we're going to have something different. We're not going to do all that here. And she used to have a saying, and she was so funny when she said it. She would say, Steve Longnecker said, if it's the truth, it ain't gossip. <laughs> and Steve Longnecker at that time was my pastor and her pastor. And I remember telling her, he didn't say that. I mean, he might have said, he might have said, it, but not in that context. Like, you're using that as like, a, and sure enough, I went to him. He was like, I didn't say that. I don't even talk like that. <laughs> but uh, she would like be on the edge of her seat to get something started, want to tell you what's really happening. And, but, it was funny that everywhere she worked, it was a little, there were tornadoes everywhere. And then <laughs> when I started Kairos, I, I, that was one of my things. I think that was even before I heard it from Dave Ramsey. Like, I don't want, we're not going to do that here. 
And when we started our second location in Gardendale, I had a prep cook. She was, I can't remember her name, but she was the hardest working prep cook I had. Like she could, she could knock it out, but she started a bunch of mess back there between uh, some of the cooks and the servers and it just exploded one night when I got to the bottom of it and I found out she was the one that started it I told her I was gonna have to let her go and she was amazed like are you serious and I was like yeah I can't have this here and she was like but I'm the hardest working person you got on your staff and I was like yeah but if you're gonna start trouble with everybody else I don't need you here I mean and also it kind of negates all over hard work and production when it's but she was amazed (laughs) like she couldn't believe she couldn't believe it and I was like that's that's our standard I mean I know what happens now, honestly, I would like to say that I had a co-host tonight, but unfortunately, my wife, uh, she didn't want to do it with me, so I wanted to do it by myself. I guess that's like the essence of keeping it real, but it is what's really happening right now. And I guess there was like a small part of me that wanted to chase her down and get her to do this with me, but at the same time, I feel like, hey, I need to prove a point. Like... I'm not doing it this time. So figure it out. Let's do the thing or I'll do it by myself. And I know I'm probably going to pay for this later, but I think it's a price that I'm willing to pay. So when I told um, my sister, Abby, that I got the job and I was like talking about it like this, because in my mind I had put like the silver lining lens on it. Like, you know, this is good. She was like, Haley. You work at a grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, but it's the Ferrari of grocery stores. So well, it really is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. But I remember you know, a couple weeks in working there, and they, you know, you had to wear. And if you know me, like I like to dress and be nice and like have a fashion edge, I guess. But anyway, you have to wear these shoes with these like plastic things over. Over them and a like head <laughs> yeah, thing. Told me that. yeah and like gloves and I they have this olive bar if you've ever been in Whole Foods it's olive bar with different olives and cheeses and it's like a salad bar so it's open food it has to be cleaned out and stuff yeah and I'll never forget I was standing at the olive bar with all my accoutrements for working in a grocery store and was cleaning out the olive bar and I was like what has happened in my life? Like, I'm 30 years old. <laughs> Six months ago, I was thriving in Sweden, a very Top nice condo I owned, like, traveling, like, doing trainings, teachings, like, had a career. And now I'm like, because I don't like olive juice, thing is so gross. But anyway, like, cleaning an olive bar, looking like I don't even know what. And Sweet it was just very humbling. Them. It was very humbling. And I remember thinking, like, gosh, I hope... Who's going to come in here and see me? (laughs) Which is, I mean, I'm not proud of that, but I did have that thought. And so that night I was at my parents' apartment. I I think I was still living there, actually, um, before I got my own place. And I was telling my dad about that and how I was feeling and just I was feeling not good. And, like, I don't, you know, I just wasn't feeling good about myself (laughs) and just my situation. Yeah. And he... Like, pause the TV because it was kind of, he like looked at me, he's like, Well, what defines you? Hmm. And good old Grant. Good old Grant. And I said, and I thought about it, he's like, No, no, don't like answer. I would just think about it. And 
And when I thought about it, I was like, okay, well, what defines me is not what actually is defining me is not what I want to define me. Mm -hmm. And that is like the job that I had in that current season, what I was letting define me because the job that I had previously, which was on the opposite end of the spectrum, as far as influence and credibility and being on a platform or whatever was defining me as well. Mm, So, yeah. So it really kind of, from that point on, I just really feel like I started like learning and understanding that really my whole life. And I think we all do this to some extent that we let things define us good and bad. Like if something has happened to us, we become a victim of like abuse. Like that starts to define us. That's all we think about. That's all we talk about. We see everything through that lens or our successes. So it could go either way. And I just remember the Lord speaking to me very clearly about what he wanted to for, to, to define me and that I was his daughter and that there was a plan and that no matter what was happening to me or what I was accomplishing or, you know, good or bad, whatever, that I could, you know, stand firm and that my identity is as his daughter. And it, so and that's got to be the foundation. Yeah. Okay, so alcohol, which mm-hmm. is something I want to talk yes, about. Yes, we talked about That was one of my biggest fascinations when I moved to Gardner. <laughs> it was a football. Well, because, I mean, I grew up Baptist, so I know that you say you don't drink. But, mm-hmm. you know, I know the old joke, hey, tell the difference between a Baptist and a Catholic. A Catholic, right. a Catholic will speak to you in the liquor store. Yes. You know, Baptist yes. won't. Yes. Um, <laughs> or the other one, how, if, you go out, if you go out fishing and you take one Baptist, what's going to happen? He's going to drink all your beer. Exactly. But if you take two Baptists, guess what's going to happen? He ain't going to drink none of your beer. That's exactly how it is. <laughs> so is that, has that been your experience? Because yes. just my childhood, so, you know, we grew up drinking when I say drinking my parents drank it was never it was never a thing uh-huh. I never knew it was a thing they weren't like drunk now I didn't come but, from a family that you know alcohol was ever abused so I mean I do understand that's another mm-hmm. you know thing that we could talk about but just generally speaking drinking alcohol I mean you mentioned we live in a Baptist town yeah Garnell's a Baptist town see um, I I think it's evolving though I don't think it's, it's evolved yeah. yeah it's that's what I was going to say it's evolved a lot since I was a kid mm-hmm. but I don't know if that's because I've evolved and I just view it like it's evolved, but I think it is definitely different than it used to be. It's yeah. different now than when I moved here in 2012. Okay. I love Gardendale. Mm-hmm. I do. Way. I love it. But I was fascinated with the uh, beer and wine section at Walmart because I think like this. Um, the Gardendale Walmart has the biggest beer and wine section of anywhere in Birmingham. Really? Yes. And I'm like, but nobody drinks. <laughs> Then why do they? Because they're not going to keep. So when when was it the biggest? You noticed recently? Now, it's the no, biggest? when I moved in, okay. like 2012. 2012, and then um, I had a restaurant in Gardendale, and you know, if I, I cook with a lot of white wine, mm-hmm. but I don't, I'm not going to buy white wine from like a distributor because it's too much. Mm-hmm. But you can go to Walmart and get them two dollar bottles. Oh, yeah. Because when you're cooking with white wine, you don't need anything great. It doesn't matter what it mm-hmm. tastes like, and. I would go and buy like 30 bottles at a time because I didn't stock up. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I just remember the first time I was in the Gardner Walmart strolling through with my 30 bottles of wine and <laughs> the people. They were looking like, at you? Like I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> it was hilarious. But I'm not even drink. I don't even drink wine. So. But it kind of reminds me of we've talked about this on one of our platforms and podcasts, the story of George Bush. Mm-hmm. Was it junior or senior? It's George W. Okay. 
whichever one that is. Anyway, you you tell the story. Forty two. Yeah, tell the story. Well, Little Bush, but uh, he's not a junior. There's George Herbert Walker Bush. Okay. Anyway, the story I'm trying to tell here. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> because I don't think I don't even think a, a lot of people are doing that on purpose or even realize they're doing that. Oh, I, don't, I didn't say that. Yeah, but I know. But like going back to the the gal you're talking about that you knew the trafficking. Yeah. That you you know when you were saying like you guys did that to her you know put it they did right I know I agree but I, I just don't think that people understand what they're doing. Well, then maybe they should be a patron and sign up for the For Real Real and listen to the podcast. <laughs> no, I mean, that's being educated. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we can learn how to do stuff. All right, guys. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that as much as we did. That was very fun. Yes, I love that. So we'll see you next week. We have been working on a lot of fresh content. We're revamping our Patreon page to make it even better for you guys. I seriously can't wait. It's, it's good stuff coming. We're taping the season four of the Straight Out of Prison podcast and a few surprises. A few surprises coming your way, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much for your support. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co and click the Join Forces button. We've redesigned our media kit with some exciting new details. If you'd like more information about being a sponsor, email me, Haley, Haley at teamjones.co. It's not .com. The best way to support us is by telling your friends and family about the podcast. Other ways to support us is by liking and sharing the podcast and giving us a review. Well, as long as you think we did good. (laughs) Or you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and more. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of home and commercial services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. Like, you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to, obviously, his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. 
Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If, if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keeley at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at hollandhcs.com. You can look up Holland Home and Commercial Services on Instagram for daily tips and more. Or you can check out their website, hollandhcs.com. We have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast, Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOES. T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Head over to ChefJamesKJones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. 